0: Plushcare.com slash loss Today we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story involving maggots. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I sent my mother-in-law to the ER. When people talk about relatives that are constantly a pain in the butt, most people probably have a common ground on awful in-laws. I'd hoped that I would be an exception in this regard, but boy was I in for a surprise. My mother-in-law was absolutely horrible to me from the moment she met me. And it was quite a roller coaster. Eventually I had to have her sorted out. Don't worry, I didn't kill her or anything. This is the story about how I went through heck in the hands of my mother-in-law from heck. I had met Kevin in college and we had immediately hit it off. He was and remains the sweetest person I've ever met. Nerdy and a bit socially awkward. I had to make the first move and ask him out on a date. He was meticulous with his planning, and he showed up to my dorm to pick me up. At first he was a little quiet, but once he got comfortable he started talking and I was instantly smitten. He had big dreams and a beautiful mind. He also somehow made me laugh a lot that evening. By the time he walked me back to my dorm, I'd made up my mind that I was going to marry him. From early on in our relationship, Kevin was clear about me being a priority in his life. He would go to any extent to ensure that I was happy. One time he went as far as sacrificing time with his family to stay with me and make sure I recovered from a flu. He also made sure that we had individual and collective goals and did everything to achieve them. With every single thing he did, I fell harder and harder for him. Within just a few months, I'd introduced him to my dad and he'd made quite an impression on him, which was not an easy thing to do, to be honest. However, I noticed that he wasn't really keen on introducing me to his family. After a year of dating and a ton of excuses, I finally got him to tell me why. Apparently, his mom was very possessive of him and had never really liked any of his girlfriends. Ever. It was to the point where he and his siblings joked about calling 911 the day she met a girlfriend of his she didn't instantly hate. That was a bit of a scare for me. I really wanted his family to like and accept me. I told him that I could understand her being protective, but I'd still like to meet her. Reluctantly, he decided to introduce me to his family at his sister's wedding a few weeks away. He planned it all out, and on a warm Wednesday in May, we went to his hometown. I was extremely nervous the entire flight. Would his mom treat me like his other girlfriends or would we hit it off? I hoped for the latter. However, the moment I met Kevin's mother, I knew instantly that she did not like me. She had this look of extreme irritation and didn't even shake my outstretched hand. After mumbling a greeting, she immediately ignored me and just went on talking to Kevin. I felt so horrible I almost threw up. Later, though, Kevin told me that it didn't matter that his mom didn't like me. He had totally expected it and he was fine with it. How his mom felt didn't matter. He loved me and that was that. This was the first time he told me he loved me, by the way. I somehow convinced myself that it was fine and I'd just have to deal with it. I expected some nastiness from Beatrice, Kevin's mum, so I prepped myself for it. However, for the most part, she just ignored me and would sometimes look at me like expired milk when I addressed her, so I just avoided any interaction with her and only spoke to her when necessary. What I wasn't aware of was that Beatrice was willing to go further than just ignoring me. The morning of the wedding, I woke up to find that the dress I planned to wear, which I'd kept in Kevin's wardrobe, the attic where I slept had no place to hang it, was suddenly missing as much as I searched for it, I just couldn't find it anywhere. I got hysteric at some point till Kevin calmed me down and suggested that I just wear something else. To him, I'd look beautiful no matter what I wore. Consoled, I wore another dress to the wedding and tried as much as possible to have a good time. When we got back home, I was laughing at a joke Kevin's kid brother had cracked and I mistakenly crashed into the trash bin. My dress fell right out and I stared at it absolutely shocked. I didn't have to be a genius to instantly realize who had put it there. I was upset but mostly just hurt. Why would she do something so mean to me? Kevin picked the dress, hung it on his arm and said he'd have it dry cleaned. The whole time reminding me that it didn't matter and to take deep breaths. It took all my willpower not to find Beatrice and give her a piece of my mind but somehow I managed to just go in and go to bed. Before I slept it off, I kept telling myself that the nightmare was almost over, and the next day, Kevin and I would be back to Seattle and away from all of this drama. I was so upset when Kevin came in to apologize for what his mom had done, I told him I didn't want to talk. When we returned, things went back to normal, mostly. I'd made my mind up that I was never going to spend time in Beatrice's home ever again and Kevin and I had a major discussion about how his mom's attitude towards me would affect our relationship. Ultimately, we agreed that we wouldn't let her dislike of me affect us. Six months after Kevin's sister's wedding, we both graduated. We got jobs in Seattle and moved in together. Five and a half months after we graduated, Kevin proposed. I was so excited that I was going to get married to the love of my life that I almost forgot the fact that I'd somehow have to deal with Beatrice. I almost. I wondered how I was going to make sure she didn't ruin my wedding, because it honestly was one of the most important days of my life, and I wanted it to go as smoothly as possible. I decided it would probably be best to try to patch things up with her. There was at least the middle ground that her son's happiness was at stake. There's no way she hates me enough to purposely make her son sad, right? So I called to say I would be flying in for the weekend to see her. I could hear her irritation over the phone and it took a great deal of willpower not to snap at her. When she repeatedly called me the wrong name, I seriously considered on inviting her to the wedding on the spot, but I knew what I was doing was for the good of Kevin. I took a few days off work and flew over to Kevin's hometown, hoping that I'd return to Seattle being on at least unhostile terms with my future mother-in-law. I was a woman on a mission, and I kept telling myself the entire time that I wasn't the bad guy. I lodged into a hotel, I knew it would probably be a more diplomatic move to stay at Kevin's parents, but I was intent on not breaking my resolve about never staying at their place again. And the next day, Beatrice and I went shopping, and then for lunch, as I'd planned. At lunch, I went straight to the point. I told her I knew she didn't like me, and I had absolutely no idea what I'd done to antagonize her so much. I told her how important it was for me that we be friends, or at least cordial in relating with each other. I repeatedly stated that I was here for Kevin and we'd have a much better marriage if she was an active part of our lives, and if we couldn't be friends, it would force Kevin to choose one over the other and that was something I just didn't want. After looking at me for a long time, she finally spoke. She admitted to being overprotective of Kevin because she didn't want him to ever get hurt. She admitted that perhaps she had taken things a little too far, and she apologized for how she had treated me so far. I was ecstatic with joy as I heard her speak. This was going better than I'd imagined. If we could get past our differences, that would be great. The rest of the day, we talked about a lot from our upbringing to our families and other things. We had similar political views, too, so we bonded especially on that. She invited me to stay over at her home the rest of my stay and I felt really touched. Two days later I returned to Seattle. Now Kevin was aware of what my plans were before I left and the moment his mom and I seemed to set our differences aside, he was the first person I called to squeal about it to. He was excited that the girlfriend hate streak had finally been broken and we carried on planning the remaining details of our wedding. The day of the wedding, Beatrice insisted on driving with my parents and I to the church. She was quite doting, and I felt a sense of joy knowing that we were on good terms. While I got my makeup done, she came in with a cup of water. I told her I didn't really want the water, but she told me I was visibly stressed and it would help me calm down. I took a sip in her presence and thanked her and she smiled at me and left, saying she'd be right back. To be honest, I was really quite nervous, and after a few minutes, I reached for the cup of water again, but apparently someone had drank it all. A bit cross, I asked who drank the water, and it turned out that one of my bridesmaids had. She was apologetic about it, so I just silently groaned and fidgeted with my hands. Beatrice came back in, and seeing that the cup was empty, smiled at me again and left. I started to feel a bit woozy, but I pushed back the nausea. As I was about to leave the room to meet my father at the base of the aisle, the bridesmaid who had drank the water passed out. I was worried but after a few minutes she came too, though she was a bit disoriented so we called 911 just to be safe. My dad suggested we go on with the ceremony and so I decided to, making up my mind to come check in on my friend immediately after the ceremony. It was while I was walking down the aisle and I saw the smirk on Beatrice's face, like she knew something I didn't, that I put two and two together. So that was why I felt nauseous. Beatrice had spiked my water. She obviously had thought I drank the whole glass of water, and she wasn't there to know what had happened to my bridesmaid, so she still thought I was going to suddenly faint mid-service. I was so angry I could barely breathe properly. I managed to get to the altar in one piece, and while I stared into the eyes of the love of my life, I said my vows. After the service, Beatrice had a confused look on her face while she congratulated me, but her planned failing was not good enough for me. I had to give her a taste of her own medicine. I was done taking the high road. One of the things I learned during my last visit to Beatrice's home was that she was seriously allergic to nuts. In fact, she had specifically asked to go through the menu to make sure there were no meals with nuts in them. Now, extremely pissed and seeking revenge, I decided the best way to get back at Beatrice was to sneak some nuts into her meal. I got the caterer to make a last minute change to use crushed pistachios as a crust to a few servings of chicken, on the low of course, which I made sure was served to Beatrice's table. I watched as she took big bites of the chicken as she chatted. The moment the allergic reaction started, she went wide-eyed and for some reason, immediately looked to the sweetheart table where Kevin and I were seated. When she saw the smirk on my face, which mirrored the one she had as I walked down the aisle, she pointed at me and tried to say something but couldn't. Perhaps the caterer had gone a little too wild on the pistachios because Beatrice got knocked out cold by it. EMTs had to be called, and for the second time that day, someone was taken to the ER. Kevin and I followed the ambulance to the hospital, and Kevin kept apologizing to me repeatedly for his mother's crisis affecting our special day. It hurt to pretend to him, but I acted as if I were concerned about Beatrice's safety and when she woke up, I was right there at her side. She kept staring at me, perhaps scared that I would do something worse to her. There was a lot of fear in her eyes but also a hint of... respect? When she could finally talk, she said she must not have checked the menu well enough. Kevin noticed how she kept glancing at me, but if he suspected anything, he didn't say a word. I was fine with this being the first secret I'd keep from him as his wife. With any luck, this would be the only secret I'd ever have to keep, and it would hopefully follow me to the grave. Beatrice hasn't attempted another attack on me since that day, and she generally leaves Kevin and I alone, which I couldn't be happier for. I guess she got the message that if you mess with me, there will be consequences. So I definitely think this is one way to handle it. Another one could have been, although it would probably blow up the wedding, getting authorities involved that this water was tampered with, maybe getting Beatrice held responsible for trying to poison people. Our next story is, former best friend tells my secret to the whole school. So i filled her water with maggots there was a time in my life when i was so trusting of people i believed that love and friendships last forever and the only way you could survive in the world was with people whenever i had a friend i would share everything with them my time money clothes and even my deepest darkest secrets it's gonna be okay i thought she's your best friend she would never betray you i said to myself I was looking at the world with rose-colored glasses. And while that was a fun and freeing way to live with people, it will also stop you from seeing all the red flags. Well, I'm a cynic now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. So I think you can guess how that turned out. I'll tell you either way. I told my best friend Sandy a humiliating secret about myself, and she showed me that she was my best friend, but I was never her best friend. When we had a slight disagreement, she went ahead to tell my secret to the whole school. I wasn't one to take a hit and turn the other cheek, so I decided to hit her back in a way she'll never forget. But let's start with the moment of my life I regret the most. The moment I met Sandy. It was the first day of senior year, I woke up on my bed feeling awful as it had been for the past week, I wasn't ready to go back to school, and that last week of summer holiday had been pretty rough for me. For one, I thought I was just a really late bloomer and over the summer holiday I'd have a better body figure. But just as I started the holidays, I was still an A cup. My parents were pretty conservative, so I wasn't allowed to buy any trendy outfits for school. Well, because they thought that trendy was just another word for promiscuous, well, I mean, yeah, it was, but still. So I had new school clothes, which looked a lot like my old clothes, which meant that there weren't going to be any changes for me that year. It was my final year of high school, and I would have successfully left a virgin and without ever having a boyfriend. I felt like I was going to be sick the more I thought about it. I even tried feigning sickness for my parents, but they didn't buy it. Eventually they threatened that if I didn't go to school, they were going to ground me till I go off to college. So, I didn't have much of a choice. My parents could actually do that. They once grounded me for a whole school year back in sixth grade, so I wasn't gonna mess with them. I went to school that morning and spent the next hour in school inside the toilet. It was bad. And what made it worse was the fact that my friend Julie wasn't coming to school anymore. She traveled to a European country with her family, and she was gonna complete high school there, which meant that I was alone. I summoned up enough courage to get through the day and I went to class. Nearly halfway through our English class, the principal walked in with a new girl. He told us that she was starting her senior year with us and we should make her feel welcome. The girl was really pretty, tall, slender, every girl's dream body. This made me even more self-conscious about my own body. Anyways, the girl introduced herself as Sandy and she was from out of town. She didn't say anything after that, and she just walked over to the empty seat in the class, which happened to be beside me. We didn't talk in class, because, well, it was class, and I have a strict rule to not get distracted during learning periods. We didn't even talk that day, because I didn't go to the cafeteria during the lunch break. Julie and I used to go to lunch together, and we would make fun of the people we wanted to be like, even just for a day. The cheerleaders, the pretty dumb girls in the arms of pretty dumb guys, the Instagram influencer cherry and the rest. We never said these things out loud, but we know. Anyways, school ended and I hurried home. There wasn't any reason to stay and chat on the lawn. I had no friends. I locked myself inside my room and binge watched Love Island till it was time for dinner. My dad kept trying to involve me in conversation, but I was still mad at him. I was still mad at both of them. They couldn't cut me enough slack to just change my fate for the new and final year of school. My brother Jared on the other hand was still in 6th grade and he was more than excited to talk about his school. I went back to my room after dinner and my mom came in after me. She could see that I was still mad so she said some things. Honestly I've forgotten what that talk was all about. Anyways, I went to school the next day feeling tired and sad like always. I listened through class, and during break I went to the cafeteria as usual. I got my food and proceeded to the table at the far end of the room. It was usually abandoned because the popular kids tagged it the loner's bench, but on the bright side it was never occupied. It used to just be me and Julie there, but now it'll just be me. I sat down on the chair, then I started to eat my lunch while I went through my phone. A few minutes later, I heard the shuffling of feet, and I heard someone stop in front of me. I looked up from my phone and it was Sandy, the girl from my English class. She looked nervous and apologized, saying that she didn't know that anyone was going to be at the table. She started to walk away and then I called her back. I told her the table was meant for six people, not one. She smiled and thanked me and sat down for her lunch. We ate in complete silence for a while, smiling politely at each other as we did. After a while, I decided to spark up a conversation. We still had another 20 minutes at the table, and it would have been super awkward if we continued giving each other tight-lipped smiles. I asked her what her former school was like, and that sparked up the conversation. She told me it was cool and fun. She was a cheerleader there and vice president of the drama team. She went ahead to tell me why she left. Her mom got a huge promotion at work, and that meant she had to oversee a new branch in the city, so they had to change location. I asked if she had siblings and she said no, she was the only child and her parents split apart a long time ago, so life gets pretty lonely for her. We talked more in the last 20 minutes of the lunch break than I've talked to any other person in the school that wasn't Julie, and at the end of the break, we promised to see each other at the end of school, and we did. And for the first time since the start of the school year, which was the day before, I had a reason to stay on the school lawn and hang out with someone. It was fun. I went home that day feeling so happy, like I had just achieved some major feat. It's crazy how making one friend, however mundane that sounded, could lift your spirits so much. That night even my parents noticed that I was in a lighter mood than usual. I was more chatty and I actually laughed at a joke he told. They asked me what was going on in school and I hesitated to tell them at first but they pressed and I had no choice. I told them about Sandy and how talking to her made my day. The next day, Sandy and I sat side by side during English class and for the first time in a long time, I didn't concentrate. We were sending paper notes to each other all through the time we were in class. We had to stop towards the end of class because we almost got caught. Over the next few days, we began to hang out every day, sometimes even after school. We would talk about boys, fashion and everything. Anytime we go to her place, she would let me try on her clothes to live out the fantasy of going to school with something other than the conservative clothes my parents forced me to wear. One day, we were at lunch at our usual table. We were playing the game Julie and I used to play, which was making fun of the cool guys. After a while, Sandy sighed, turned to me, and said something Julie and I were always so scared to say out loud. I'd really like to be one of them, though, she told me. I didn't know what to say to that because I felt the same way. That same day, we went to her house and she told me how popular she was in her former school. She was one of the lead cheerleaders and everyone loved her. I asked her why she didn't try out for the school team and she said she was kind of scared because she was new. She didn't want to mess it up and become a joke in her final year. I told her to try it out. If she loved it so much, she was just going to regret not doing it later. Convinced, she nodded and said okay. She was going to speak to the head cheerleader the next day. That same evening, our conversation shifted to who we liked in school. Sandy told me she had a thing for a guy named Kyle. He was the center for the school's basketball team, tall, handsome, and has beautiful eyes. I could see what she liked about him. When she asked me who I had a crush on, I didn't want to tell her because it was so embarrassing. But Sandy pressed and didn't let it go until after a few hours. So I finally told her, I had a crush on my physics teacher, Mr. Barnes. It was so funny and we spent the next few minutes laughing. Then I told her about the one dream I had about him. It was so embarrassing to even talk about, but she was my friend, so we laughed it off. Sandy followed my advice and talked to the head cheerleader, who in turn talked to the coach. They allowed her to try out, and when she did they loved her skills. That same day, she was accepted into the cheerleading squad. I was so happy for her at the time because I thought that things between us were going to remain the same and she wasn't going to change toward me. We'd only been friends for less than 2 months and I'd already thought of her as my best friend. I felt like I already knew her better than anyone, which turned out to be a big fallacy. During the next few weeks, Sandy and I started to hang out less and less. At first, she gave reasonable excuses, like she had practice and stuff. Then the excuses started to become lame and stupid, like she wanted to hang out with the rest of the team so they could like her more. The time it actually hurt the most was when she missed my 18th birthday. Her excuse? One of the girls in the cheerleading squad wanted to throw a slumber party and she had to be there to help her plan it. Not even the actual slumber party? The next time I saw Sandy, I was so mad that I told her to leave me alone because I didn't want to be friends anymore. I didn't know how she took it at the time, but a few days later I did. I came into the school hallway and I saw people staring and laughing at me. That was weird. I was so used to blending in so well into the background that I didn't understand what the attention was all about. At one point, the giggles and whispers became so unbearable that I walked up to a guy in my chemistry class and asked him what was going on. He told me that people were all talking about my wet dreams and crush on Mr. Barnes. How could they have known that except if someone I told said something? I knew immediately that it was Sandy, the person who for a short while I considered my best friend. I walked up to her to confront her about the rumor and I was ready to get physical. But the girls of the cheerleading team all came to a rescue. I went home before the day was over and cried my eyes out. Sandy was the one person I trusted in the world. And the fact that even she could betray my trust that way made me so sad and depressed that I never thought it possible to recover. I actually fell sick for a few days and even when I recovered, I still didn't want to go to school. But eventually I had to go. The rumor about my crush on Mr. Barnes had spread through the whole school and even during physics class, I could tell that Mr. Barnes was trying hard not to make eye contact with me. It was really embarrassing, and while I was having my worst days in school, Sandy was having her best with the cheerleaders. As I sat in the cafeteria one day watching her laugh, I knew at that time that I wanted her to suffer for what she did to me, and I knew exactly how to do it. We were once talking about our worst fears, and she mentioned that she hated maggots. She couldn't stand them, as they irritated her. So a few days later, I ordered some maggots online, then brought it to school. I just had to wait for the perfect time. Sandy usually brought her own water from home in a black water bottle. So all I needed to do was swipe the water bottle when she wasn't looking. A few minutes before cheerleading practice, an opportunity presented itself. The head cheerleader called everyone to the basketball court for an announcement, so I went into the locker room and poured the maggots into the water in the bottle and I hurried away. I made sure to watch the cheerleading practice from a corner to see what happens. A few minutes after practice started, Sandy walked over to her bag, then took out her water bottle. She pulled off the cover, then took a huge gulp of the water. At one point I guess she felt something in her mouth, she reached into it and pulled out a worm. She looked into the water she had been drinking and screamed like she had just witnessed a murder. She dropped the bottle and started to puke the contents of her stomach. When her cheerleader friends came to her aid, they probably saw the maggots in her puke and took a step back. I couldn't stop laughing from my hiding spot. I hadn't felt that good in weeks. Sandy was rushed to the infirmary and even though the worms weren't harmful, the news that she had worms in her drinking water spread like wildfire. Soon enough, nobody remembered me. She was all they could talk about. Sandy didn't get a boyfriend that senior year either, because nobody wanted to kiss a girl that literally had worms in her mouth. I never got popular or anything in high school, but that was fine, because neither did Sandy. I think all this story served to do for me is make me paranoid about trusting my water bottle ever again. I don't think I've got anybody that wants to stab me in the back, but why have I not thought about the reality that if you left your water bottle unguarded, somebody could put anything in there. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right.